Okay. All right. I'll, uh, I'll open in prayer and uh, we'll go through the chapter. It's not a very long chapter. It's only got 14 verses in it. So we should be able to do justice to it here today. So let's just okay. pray. Oh, Heavenly Father, we just thank you that we can read your word. And I remember when John and me were uh, carpooling together and we were going to work and that one preacher would always say, brother, read the word. <laughs> and we love to listen to that show, Lord. And uh, he did preach the word and he read the word. And Lord, we just thank you that we have the word and that we can study it. Uh, and uh, to grow in the grace and knowledge of you and to try to understand the things of God. And while we're here on earth, Lord, it's only a short time. May we just uh, be true uh, to you and servants of you, Lord, and uh, do your will, just like you did the Father's will. And Lord, may we just practice uh, everything that uh, we read, Lord, and uh, be doers of the word, Lord, and not just hearers. So we thank you again and ask for your blessings tonight. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, let's see uh, if there's 14, 7, uh, 3, 4 verses apiece, something like that. I'll, uh, I'll start us off. I'll read the first uh, four verses. And then somebody else can jump. Okay. Uh, let every person be subject to the governing authorities. For there is no authority except from God. And those that exist have been instituted by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authority resists what God has appointed. And those who resist will be uh, be will incur judgment <clears throat> excuse me for rulers are not a terror to good conduct but to bad would you have no fear of the one who is in authority then do what is good and you will receive his approval for he is god's servant for your good but if you do wrong, be afraid, for he does not bear the sword in vain, for he is the servant uh, of God and avenges who carries out God's wrath on the wrongdoer. Okay, somebody can jump in from five now. Wherefore, ye must needs be subject not only for wrath, but also for conscience sake. For for this cause pay we tribute also, for they are God's ministers attending on this very thing. Render therefore to all their dues, tribute to whom tribute is due, custom to whom custom, fear to whom fear, honor to whom honor. Owe no man anything but to love one another, for he hath loved. He that loveth one another hath fulfilled the law. Okay. For the commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness, you shall not covet. And if there is any other commandment are all summed up in this saying, namely, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no harm to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfilling, is the fulfillment of the law. You want to finish her off, John? Okay. And that knowing the time that now it is high time to awaken out of your sleep. For now is our salvation nearer than when we believed. The night is far spent, the day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. Let us walk honestly as in the day, not in rioting and in drunkenness, 
not in chambering and wantonness, not in strife and envying, but put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provisions for the flesh to fulfill the lusts thereof. Could I, could I say something real quick, Irv? Uh, I'd like to back up to last week when Ron was talking about uh, widows and um, he was talking about making provisions for the widow and the church. Yeah. And I think one of the reasons why men weren't mentioned is because a lot of them died quite young yeah. and that with so many widows. Yeah. And then also, you know, when the, when the men were alive, they were the patriarch and they were the rulers in the family business or the family house or whatever. And the family, you know, the entire family would live together in, in a very close proximity. And so I think that it was more or less understood that, you know, the men would take care of the men. But then when the, when the church came in, and there was a lot of widows. There was a lot of widows in, in Israel, period. Mm -hmm. But at that time, there, you know, the, the, uh, there was an abundance of widows. There was a great number because most of the men had passed away. They had died off. Just a thought, Ron. I just wanted to um, add a little bit more to our discussion from last week. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'm just heartbroken that so few churches make that an official church ministry after the manner of um, Stephen, the deacon, who uh, was with the, you know, taking care of the widows in Jerusalem. You know, it's just so sad that so few churches pick that up as a ministry. Yeah, you know, I, sometimes we look at, um, we look at the churches in a, in a wrong light. Uh, there's so many what we call uh, Christendom out there that they call themselves Christian churches, but they're not. Right. They're not. They're not true. There's there's unbelievers in uh, a lot of the denominational churches out there, and because of it, uh, they're not functioning as a New Testament church. Amen. Uh, and really, if the church and in our assembly that we have, uh, and, and John knows this, that we function as much as we can by the first century church. And we try to practice everything that they practice. And we help one another, you know, like even in, in this chapter here, it says that we are to, uh, you are to love your neighbor as yourself. Uh, love does no wrong to a neighbor. Therefore, Love is the fulfillment of the law, and that's verse 10 in this chapter. And if we take care of one another at, in the house of God, we are, you know, doing what God wants us to do, and we're really following what the Lord uh, was teaching. And uh, yeah, and that, and that includes the widows from the last time we were together, you know. Yeah, First yeah, Timothy says... Um... Paul wrote to Timothy and he says that thou mightest know how thou oughtest to behave thyself in the house of God. He gave him instructions on how to behave himself mm -hmm. in the house of God. So our chapter 13 is one of my favorites. So mm -hmm. I love, um, you know, the first, the first part of it here, it says, let every soul be subject to the higher powers. And <clears throat> We often think that we're talking about the, um, it's very specific in places where it talks about the governors, about the rulers, about the, but how about those that are working, you know, it, in first Peter, we see that even the servants are to be subject to their masters. Mm -hmm. And so when we go to work, we are subject to our employee, to our boss. And we are to give them due rev reverence as well. Yeah, you're right there. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, that verse says, eight, as you uh, look at verse eight and you think of uh, the funds that the church has to help, 
uh, you know, some in the assembly are so strapped down in debt that they don't, they're, they're not able to uh, be generous. And uh, I think that's quite a problem in our culture. You know, you, we are a culture that does not save for anything. We borrow for it. <laughs> and uh, it says there's to owe no man anything but love. Now, uh, quite a clear verse, but yet uh, uh, mm. we all go for loans. And uh, uh, I mean, that's what the scripture says here. So, yeah. you know. So a lot of times the church don't have no money because everyone's so strapped down in debt that uh, uh, the generosity of the church cannot be seen. You know, in uh, Chula Vista, I, I, I came from San Diego, uh, and Chula Vista is a, is a community next to San Diego. There was a, a Baptist church that had a very, uh, he, he was caught up in the uh, Jesus movement of the 70s. Yeah. And um, he moved, he challenged his church to tr do Acts chapter 2, 3, and 4. And so they set up four homes that were group homes under the supervision of a deacon and um, uh, his wife. And there were four homes where they all pulled, just like Acts, they put all the money together and they uh, divided the money as needed among the people who lived in the large homes. And um, uh, they actually were able to, that actually worked for almost 10 years before the pastor uh, had to leave on and, and move on to other things. Uh, but it, it proved to me that it could, it could be done. It, and yeah. uh, and it's, I, I just really believe that Acts chapters two through eight are a model, like you're saying, uh, Irv, it's, it's a model for how the church should be uh, today. And it showed us in Acts 2 and 4 especially that they brought the money together. They divided it among them as they had need. They appointed deacons to take care of the widows. Uh, there, there was designation, designated ministries that effectively carried out the word of God. And, you know, it's just so sad that so few churches aim for the high. There's a group up in Washington. I live in Oregon. I grew up in Spokane, Washington. But out in the Central Basin back in uh, the 30s, they put in this thing called Grand Coulee Dam. And they uh, backed up the water on the Columbia River and they put in a siphon tunnel and they pumped water out into the desert between Spokane and Seattle. And <clears throat> they watered the desert and it became a quite an agricultural area. Well, there's a group called the Amish. <laughs> you're familiar with them. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I love them. <laughs> so anyway, they, uh, they, they have communal living and uh, the, um, the, you know, everybody has a, a designated role. They have classes, they do everything. And when the um, community gets to a certain size, they hive off and they take all the money the, out of the community and they go and they pay cash and buy more land, more property and set up another community. And when they first started, there was some difficulties because they didn't know how to do their income taxes. <laughs> so they finally settled on, uh, I don't know how they worked it out, who did it, but anyway, they finally settled that um, all the men over 21 would get an equal share. And so whatever money came in and whatever money they had to pay taxes on, each one got uh, an equal share, each one of the men. and. Then of course they had identical uh, tax returns. Everything was, was, but anyway, they got they got through it. But they are quite a productive group. They um, they have really transformed farming out in the um, in the basin there. In 
they don't um, that they're they're stewards of the land, and so they they believe in taking care of the land as opposed to some that just go out and abuse the land. Mm-hmm. So that's that would be, I think, what you would probably see as a a practical application or you would see as a a practical example of how the Acts chapter 2 church would work. Yeah. Yeah, we have... Yeah, go ahead, John. No, I'm just coughing. Oh. uh, We got Amish in our area, but they're they're farmers uh, and they work the land, just like you say. Uh, and they do help one another. In other words, they have what they call like barn raisings. They can yeah. throw a barn up in, in a day. Right. The whole community comes and they all, and they're all good carpenters. Yeah. And I well, got the- a son that, uh, he kind of got a hobby farm, uh, but he, you know, he's got livestock and stuff and, uh, does a lot of gardening and stuff and he does plant corn. But he gets all his supplies from the Amish and he buys the seeds from the Amish because they're not uh, uh, generically yeah, altered seeds, yeah. you yeah. know, because there's so many uh, companies now that have patents on these seeds and they yeah. don't reproduce, right. you know, right. and, and it's, yeah. it's a way of gouging people for money, you know, and there's people that work around that, you know. No. Well, sometimes the genetic, the genetic corn and things like that are drought resistant and they can handle uh, a real dry summer. So some of that ain't so bad. And uh, so, it, you know, I, I certainly wouldn't think uh, uh, some of that genetic stuff and, that, that we altered sometimes really helps us. In, in a real dry summer. Well, they'll get more yield, but at the same time, they won't reproduce. So you gotta, gotta buy your seeds well, you every buy- year. Yeah. Yeah, I know, yeah, I know that. And, but it still is something that'll resist drought. And so some of that stuff they, you know, uh, is, is good for producing food. Mm-hmm. And uh, my wife and I went, went out to Pennsylvania on, on a trip, and we went through that whole Amish country over there. And my wife used to read Amish books all the time, <laughs> and she would tell me everything that they were doing. They were so uh, efficient on being able to do things without machinery, it's just unbelievable. I mean, like on wash day, the woman would have uh, a clothesline going out the second story window on a pulley and <laughs> she would hang all the clothes out there. And when they would dry, she would bring them in and she would pull them so she didn't have to go up and down the steps and, and, and little things like that, that my wife pointed out to me, you know, just from reading a lot of on the Amish. <laughs> you know? Yeah, my wife's a baker. <clears throat> And I mean, she can really, you know, she can really make some good stuff. But mm-hmm. to set up to do that, a normal white American, I guess, any American, if he was to set up the bakery, the government makes standards so high in, in, in your shop. And But then when it comes to Amish and the Mennonites, they don't even, they have no standards. But we have to hold to these standards, and uh, it's really, uh, yeah. you know, they have a double standard there for for those people a lot of times, and mm-hmm. so uh, mm-hmm. and it kind of makes me mad sometimes <laughs> because they do, and uh, and you got to remember the Amish are very clicky. Some of them preach the gospel, but if you're not part of their uh, commune, they're very clicky clicky towards you and uh you can't necessarily trust them so yeah yeah and i tell you if you go back to the new testament 
just talking about how they, and I know we're kind of off 13 right now, but yeah. as, far, as far as uh, the church goes, uh, we in, in, I mean, in the world right now, whether it's America, UK, Australia, it don't make any difference. We use the, the terminology wrong. We say, well, on Sunday morning, we're going to go to church. We're not going to church. We're going to a building where Amen. the church meets. Right. The yeah. church is the people. We are living stones. And we've gotten away from that. And uh, if we would come back to do exactly what the church did in the first century, not only uh, looking out for one another, but practice what the, uh, the first century church did. They, they did four things. They met around the Lord's table for the breaking of bread, the worship service that they had. Then they practiced the apostles' doctrine. They studied the word of God and taught the word of God. And then they had prayer. They would get together and have group prayers. And then they would have fellowship. If you practice those four things, and that only, and only two ordinances that is taught in the Bible, what people would call uh, sacraments or whatever, is uh, uh, the breaking of bread, the Lord's table, and baptism. Them are the only two things that the first century church really practiced. You know what I mean as far as uh, their... Uh, function and if every church would do that and then have elders as their leaders the ones that are making decisions uh and have it a pleurisy like we have five elders and then if there's a call for our need there's people that will become deacons uh in the church and they will function as a deacon and there's all qualifications for all of this, and it's all laid out. There's no one-man ministry. There's no hierarchy that you, each assembly is autonomous, and, and they do have elders outside of the assembly. Like, we look at one fella as our elder, and that's this guy, Charlie Pfizer. He basically has given us good advice. And we've got good advice from um, William McDonald when he was still alive yet. I wrote him a letter and he answered me and gave us some good advice. And, uh, but the churches now are, are, they're functioning all wrong. And yeah. that's, that's, that's where the big problem is. Yeah. So I don't know what kind of uh, meetings you guys go to. I don't know your backgrounds. Uh, if you're, I, I, you know, I'm just telling you my, thoughts on on the church yeah i i favor the plymouth brethren um the open communion plymouth brethren um mm -hmm. can i can i step can i can i take the group for a minute into the controversy that romans 13 presented for me can okay. I, oh yeah okay we have romans 13 let every soul be subject to the governing authorities for there's no authority except from God, and the authorities that exist are appointed by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authority resists the ordinance of God, and those who resist bring judgment on themselves. I was 18 years old. Vietnam was cooking, and Korea was cooking. And I, I, went, I took Romans 13, and I went to Luke chapter 6, starting with verse 37 in Luke chapter 6. And I and I I looked at the dilemma I faced as a, a young man who was called up for draft. Um, and like in verse 27, but I say to you, love your enemies, okay? Love your love the communists. Yeah. Do good to those that those communists who hate you. Verse 28, bless those communists who curse you, and pray for those communists who spitefully use you. To the communist who strikes you on the one cheek. Offer the other also, and from the communist who takes away your cloak, do not withhold your tunic either. Give to every communist who asks of you, and for the communist who takes away your goods, do not ask them back. 
And just as you would want uh, the communists to do to you, you also do to them likewise. Um, okay. And so you can see where I'm going. Um, I, yeah. became, I became a conscientious objector. And I told them, hey, um, I cannot, I, I can, the governing authority says go out and kill communists in Korea and Vietnam. I can't do that and follow Jesus in Luke 6. And so they made me one why. And I was to be assigned as a, uh, a I was to be in the delivery system of the military, driving trucks and warehousing. Uh, but it never got so bad that they never actually called me up, but they did give me that one why classification uh, because I told them, they, 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 sent, they, they sent me in the room, the eight men, no, six men, who were interviewing me um, to determine my, my appeal. And um, they asked me, what would you do if uh, a group was coming and, they, and you had your wife and your daughter uh, and you had a gun and you could use that gun to defend your wife and your daughter? Wouldn't, would you, wouldn't you kill to protect your wife and your daughter? And you know, I told them, hey, look, I'm just trying to, to thread the needle. I'm trying to do it right. I, yes, I would take the gun. I would use the gun. I would shoot them at their feet. I would shoot at their legs. I would shoot at their butts, but I would not shoot to kill. And when I said that, <laughs> the men rose up in mass, looked at me like I was insane and walked out of the room and labeled me one way. Uh, but the thing is, my question seriously is, how do we reconcile doing Luke 6 with our enemies and the command to submit to our enemies in the case, you know, I'm talking about my brethren in China. I'm talking about my brethren in communist Russia. I'm talking about my brethren uh, in, in um, oh, any other, uh, Cuba, you know, uh, what, what do they do with a governing authority tells them to do, to disobey Jesus. Um, and yet there's a command from Jesus to obey them. You know, what, what's, how do you resolve the co apparent conflict between Luke 6 and Romans 13? Well, one so, thing we know that the Lord never condemned soldiers. I he know, actually but, told them, he told but them, uh, but where, you I, know, I but where's the scripture? You know, I'm just, huh? Where's the yeah, scripture? Yeah, I know. That, where, where's the well, scripture? Well, we know that, you know, he said that uh, to the soldier, you know, just be content with your wages. Uh, and um, But he didn't say you know, kill your enemies. No, but a policeman, a policeman is similar to a, a soldier in that he... He is to protect the innocent people. Okay, so and, where's, the, uh, where's the scripture? Huh? Where's, well, the, where's scripture the scripture? Yeah, the, well, least, you know, right here, it, yeah. it says that, it, it says, for he is a minister of God for thee for good. That's the but if you do that, which is evil, be afraid. That's the and governing we're talking authority. About, so, yeah. Isn't he a governing authority, the policeman, though? I know, but does, does, the, does the Christian policeman have the right, under Jesus' command in Luke 6, does the Christian policeman have the right to disobey Jesus in Luke 6 and kill the uh, kidnapper, uh, kill the attempted murderer? Um, I, I just don't understand. I, think I don't, I don't yeah, understand I think how. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I, well, I mean, I know it's a difficult area, and I'm not. And I'm absolute on it, but I think he, uh, as we had one highway patrolman come to the chapel, and uh, uh, he was from the Gideons, and uh, he said to be a policeman is a calling from God. Yeah. And, uh, you know, he believed he was called by God to, and he seemed like he was good at his job. Yeah. But, uh, you know, I, I am thankful for protection by both military and Amen. police force. Amen. But I, I know what you're 
you know, I know Corey Ten Boone's brother, you know, he, when the Nazis uh, took over, Corey Ten, Corey Ten Boone was more of a pacifist. She didn't want to uh, do anything like that. But her brother went in the underground and very much fought against this evil that was going on. So, you know, I don't know. You know, we all, and we got to live by our conscience. And, and uh, your conscience is, you know, that's how we vote too. Your right. conscience is probably different than mine. And, but we are all responsible to God. And uh, some of those difficult areas, we each have to uh, live according to our conscience. And, well, let me let me just read the scripture that we just got through reading, and that answers kind of answers your question. For rulers are not a terror to good conduct, but to bad. Would you have no fear of the one who is in authority? Then do what is good, and you will receive his approval. For he is God's servant. Okay. And if somebody is, is uh, in the government, and, and that includes the police force, any authority, it's of God. And, it's, and he is his servant for your good. But if you do wrong, be afraid, for he does not bear the sword in vain. Well, we're talking about the sword, the gun, it doesn't make any difference whether it's military, whether it's law enforcement, the government is established uh, by God for good. And that's exactly what it's saying here. Now, does that mean that uh, the authority can get corrupt, which it has, and it is? Uh, yes. But it's still, yeah. look back in, in Paul's day, look and see who was in power the most ungodly men and yet god allowed it because he was in control so you want some verses ron yeah let's go to jeremiah okay okay but now that's for israel right that's for israel right no no, no. we're talking jeremiah i believe jeremiah is as relevant today as it was when jeremiah wrote it because there's principle involved okay and that's what's, what we're talking about here is principle what's and the reference the first reference is jeremiah 25 verse 9 okay. 25 9 okay 25, nine. all right we're, we're gonna we're gonna do quite a bit of traveling in jeremiah and in daniel and you know, I don't, I don't have a problem with a conscientious objector. I don't have a problem with someone who refuses to pick up arms and defend the country. I don't have a problem with any of that. And I, um, I'm, I have cousins. I have relatives that were all conscientious objectors. I, um, you know, there's people who, who would stand there and allow their wives to be mutilated and do whatever and they would not raise a finger because of the position that you've taken and i don't condemn them for that but let's in in reference to 13 1 where it says all power is ordained of god and we see here in 25 9 behold i will send and take all the families of the north saith the lord and nebuchadnezzar the king of babylon what's the next word my servant unsaved yeah. unsaved servant one of the most brutal one of the most despicable one of the most absolutely horrific leaders he annihilated millions he came in and literally slaughtered the innocents yeah god refers to him as what my, my servant yeah unsaved unsaved sinning servant i'm sorry Un unsaved sinning servant yes he was, yeah. not, he was not obeying luke 6 mm -hmm. no no that has nothing to do with it luke's mm -hmm. personal 
conviction, this is what God says about one of the most brutal, one of the most despicable people. We go over to Jeremiah chapter 18. Okay, you're and talking about unsaved people. We, Jeremiah 18. It doesn't matter. We're talking principle here. We're mm -hmm. talking principle. And we're talking the fact that God is the one that raises up power. Now, if you want to say Israel is un our unsaved people, they were God's chosen people. And what did Israel do? They sinned. They went against God. So it says in uh, Jeremiah 18.8, If the nation against whom I have pronounced turn from their evil, and I will repent of the evil that I thought to do unto them. And at what instant I shall speak concerning a nation and concerning a kingdom to build and to plant it. So God is going to build and plant a nation here. And it says, if it do evil in my sight, that it obey not my voice, then I will repent of the good wherewith I said I would benefit them. So you see, God expects and he holds rulers accountable. He holds those who are in authority accountable. And that's why Hitler came to power. Hitler was brought to power for a reason. God allowed Hitler to come to power. Idi Amin was brought to power by God. These are despicable despots. And they are truly brutal. Because when God raises his hand in judgment against a nation that has turned their back on him, he uses the most despicable people. As we read in Daniel, let's see if I can pick this one out. Daniel. Um, so Hitler and Nebuchadnezzar did not have to obey Luke chapter 6. They did not have to obey Jesus' word in Luke 6. God. They're obeying God. Yeah, it his word. God is his word. The word is God. How about Daniel chapter 4, verse 17? And the, to answer your question succinctly, they obeyed God, not Luke chapter. Uh, oh, okay, okay, we we're we're down two different paths, but okay, I I respect your belief. I I respectfully disagree. <laughs> okay, okay. So Daniel in four. Luke, in Luke chapter four, verse seventeen, it says this. This matter is by the decree of the watchers and the demand of the word of the holy ones to the intent that the living may know that the most high ruleth in the kingdom of men. That doesn't say Luke chapter whatever. It says that the, um, that the um, living may know that the most high ruleth in the kingdom of men and giveth it to whomsoever he will and setteth up over it what the basis in the, the the worst people are rulers and god raises up the worst people to be rulers they were now, not saved you know god 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 put god put uh, the babylonians in power to judge israel right. and then god judged the babylonians right for uh that's, doing that's, wrong for the israel so they were accountable to god amen god is the one that uh amen. vengeance is mine said the lord <laughs> amen. well i gotta change the subject are yeah. you done yeah i'm done <laughs> okay no. is anyone... i i, uh, I have one last say oh. if i may yeah okay so ron you know we can we can take a we can take a, a verse and we can rip it out and say okay I'm going to stand on this verse but we have to understand what is the principle and the principle is that God raises up the basest of men to be the rulers of the sons of men unsaved the, unsaved men Hitler Stalin thanks Ron I'm gonna I'm I'm gonna side with Ron for one minute. <laughs> and I want, I want to tell you, no, really, I want to tell you a, just a true story. Uh, Corey Tunboon. Yeah. Uh, you probably heard of her. She oh, yeah. In a concentration camp. 
and she's seen her family killed right in front of her and and but she knew that the lord wanted her to love her enemies and it was not a natural thing to do right but the very soldiers that killed her sister i think it was yes uh she led him to the lord yes she forgave him yes and that forgiveness was from god and this guy seen it in her and and she led him to the lord amen now uh you've all heard the story of the the cross and the switchblade that's an old story and uh it was actually based on something true this street guy was coming up to this guy and he was gonna stick him with a stiletto and he says you can cut me in pieces he says but every piece will love you and he knew that he was going to heaven and that guy that was going to kill him was lost and he led him to the lord amen so there's both sides of the coin (laughs) yeah you know no so but respect for people that want to be conscientious objectors, I don't have a problem with it. I don't either. It's, um, you know, you have to that in order to rule over wicked and evil men, you have to have wicked and evil men to rule over wicked and evil men. Yeah. Right now, I, you know, I don't agree what who's in office how they got there and and i'm not going to go into politics or anything but the bible tells me that i have to uh respect all authority that it's honor from them. god even if i honor. don't agree with it you know right you have to honor if, them mm-hmm. so timothy tells us to pray for those that are in authority yeah we're thanks for all men mm-hmm. and Pray for the kings and for all those in authority, which, you know, <clears throat> Matthew tells us, pray for those that spitefully use you. That's Matthew. Right. And so, you know, I, I think it's, um, we, we just have to understand what God is saying and how he, you know, what his principles are. But uh, now they, the United States of America, who's had uh, influence of scriptures uh, uh, has set up ways to protest uh, things that that those in authority are doing. And uh, we can be thankful for that. I mean, they, they recognize that ultimate power corrupts absolutely. And so they have the three branches of government trying to balance some of these things out. And uh, uh, so, you know, it, back then when the scriptures were written, there was no thought of uh, what we have today in government. We can protest and not by killing people, but by uh, complaining. And uh, we got representatives. Uh, so we were lucky that way. And uh, I, to what degree it work, oh, is working uh, nowadays, I don't know, but uh, we have that. And so a lot of what was going on then is not going on now, uh, especially in America, I guess. Yeah. But, you know, and then what I wanted to say is, you know, we're talking about higher powers. Now, we... We live in little towns. I don't know what, how big a town you guys live in, but you know, while well, there's just 2,500 people, plain views about 3,000, 4,000, uh, and Lake City's about like that. These all these little towns around here, and uh, now in Plainview, they are going to have a pride parade, and it's going to be for this summer. And I, I'm I believe it will probably come to Wabisha sometime. But uh, now, what to do as Christians with this stuff coming to town? I mean, uh, I think we're going to have to organize and send out tracks. And 
whatever we would plan to do, but uh, uh, you would somewhat protest against this stuff. And uh, we may get in trouble with those in authority uh, for sending tracts, they'd call it hate literature. And, uh, but yet we've got to do it, I think, and uh, accept whatever God would have for us. But I, I really think that sometimes it gets very difficult as society gets more chaotic. Uh, you know, we've, we've got to stand for something and we can't let everyone push us around. I wish and, that Christians uh, would organize and have a, a pride of Jesus, proud of Jesus, proud of yeah. Mary's March. Yeah. I, I really wish, I mean, I, there's, it's completely reasonable and it's legal and it's not a, it's not a violation of any law for about a, a bunch of Christian churches to get together and have a hooray for Jesus, hooray for a heterosexual marriage march. You know, I mean, yeah. I, I, I think it would be a great testimony. Well, yeah, I do too. You know what? Would they allow you in parades nowadays, though, mm -hmm. because just about every parade now has a section for pride. Mm -hmm. You know, these homosexuals. Would they allow a section like that for? Uh, uh, you know, mm -hmm. communities have to make decisions then, and well, they they try try to go along with the status quo. Yeah. Well, you remember uh, when the COVID first hit, there was some churches up in uh, Canada that they said they couldn't meet. Uh, yeah. And they had to close. And uh, there was one church that wouldn't do it. They said the Bible said, do not forsake the assembling of yourselves together as some do. Right. They used scripture and they were obeying God and they stayed open. And uh, the authority came and forced them out, put a fence around their church and closed it up. And there was uh, a lot of Christians that stood up for him. And one of them was uh, John MacArthur. Yes, sir. Yes. And there was a lot of videos out there and everything. But we have to obey God before man. If yes. man tells us to disobey God, then we have to obey God. And that's what the apostles did. They Amen. Said, they were told not to not to uh, the teacher or preach in the name of Jesus. Well, <laughs> the Bible tells us that we have to preach Jesus, so we do. You know, so well, I know our time is running out here. We got about five minutes here. Uh, let's just look at the last part of this chapter. Uh, we kind of covered uh, pretty well the first part with the authority. Uh, Fulfilling the law through love. And we kind of just briefly looked at that. And then from 11 on down, beside this, you know the time that the hour has come for you to wake from sleep. For salvation is near, nearer to you now than it was at first when you first believed. The night is far gone and the day is at hand. So let us cast off the work of dark the works of darkness and put on the armor of light let us walk uh, properly in the daytime not in orgies or drunkenness not in sexual immorality or sensual whatever uh, not in quarreling uh, and jealous but put on the lord jesus christ and make no provisions for the flesh and gratify its desires. Walk in the spirit, walk in the Lord. We are to be ambassadors for the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Love everybody, love our enemies, even love the gays, uh, but hate the sin. Yes. And love the sinner. Yes. Chapter five, verse 29. I strive to know nothing among you save Jesus Christ and him crucified. Amen. All right. Amen. Well, maybe one of us can close in prayer until next time. I love these Bible readings and these discussions. Ron, you brought up a, a very interesting uh, 
topic for this discussion. And uh, <laughs> uh, I mean, really, uh, there, there's, you know, there's both sides of the coin. And, and I'm like, I'm like Dan, I, I don't put anybody down that wants to be, you know, take a different stand. It just remember that, Sergeant York. Sergeant York was the great war hero of World War One. And if you go down to Nashville, Tennessee, you'll have a lot of streets named by of him, you know. But he was a conscientious subjector. Mm -hmm. Yes. He was a Christian man, but he ended up in the war. Yeah. So yeah. He saved a lot of people. He saved yeah. a lot yeah, of people. Yeah, he did. He he did kill some people, but he said he killed to save people. Yeah. And uh, so. Yeah, we have we have one elder. He meets with us here once in a while. Carl, he's in law enforcement. He was a park ranger. And uh, right now what he does is he does background checks on young guys that are getting into law enforcement. And what he does is very important to get the right people in law enforcement uh, right. those that will uh uphold the law and be merciful at the same time so uh, christians have to be in those positions and god does pick and choose we've got a couple of young guys that were that's affiliated with the with our church one of the elders sons is in law enforcement and well and, and then another one his son-in-law is in law enforcement so we have to have people in law enforcement. So anybody want to close? <laughs> Again, our father, we just thank you for us to sort out things that are difficult for us. Help us to search your word, to find in your word the answers to what we need to have answers for. So we thank you for this time tonight. Just ask thy blessings on each one. Pray for Irv and for Ron. Pray for his granddaughter. Pray for John. And commit all things to thee now in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Well, Ron, I had a, a cousin who was in Vietnam. Yeah. He went in as a conscientious objector. He didn't carry a weapon. He was a medic. Right. Yeah. That was yeah. He was in the battlefield. Right. Jump out of helicopters and go pick up the wounded and bring them back. That was a good service. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So.